appreciate God this morning. And uh, you can be seated. Go ahead and be seated this morning. Um, as we start in, uh, there are some books. If you didn't get one of the uh, adult Sunday school books, if you would like one, raise your hand. and Brother Nathaniel will bring that to you. Um, and if not, uh, last week I completely forgot. We went into the first lesson, and I completely forgot about the student books. So that's my apologies for that. But we'll be starting on uh, today. We're on lesson two of this series, The Great I Am. And today we'll be talking about uh, a statement Jesus made, before Abraham was, I am. And why that uh, is very important. Uh, the revelation of that statement is very important for us. Could we just pray for the, the lesson right now as we get ready to go into it? Lord, we thank you for your word. Ask that you would open our hearts and minds to receive from you today and hear what you would say to your people. Lord, fill my mouth with words, Lord, today that we might get understanding that our hearts could be changed and made better. And we're going to praise you for all these things. We ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Give the Lord another hand for his word this morning. We're thankful for the word of God. Thankful for God's word today. It's uh, in, uh, understanding who the Lord is is very important. You can't, uh, how can you worship or believe in someone you don't know about? Uh, you, you know, how can you uh, appreciate, you know, if somebody were to just bring some situation up and ask you, hey, do you know, isn't that great what so-and-so done? You can't really appreciate it. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they've done. And how can we really appreciate the Lord if we don't know who he is and know what he's done? And so uh, one of the, um, focuses of scripture that we see in the gospels is understanding as we read through it that he came into his own it says but they knew him not and so in other words he showed up in his land among his people but they couldn't see because of the, their lack of faith the hardness of their heart and uh, they, there were several uh, discussions throughout scripture the Jews would have with Jesus. John chapter 8 is a big, uh, there's a big long uh, conversation and discussion and debate, I guess you will, as the Pharisees and Jesus begin to talk. And uh, we'll get into some of that today, but looking even farther back to where uh, the origin of this statement would come from, we can look back into the life of Moses and realize that Moses was born, of course, an infant in Egypt, but as he, after he had fled Egypt, uh, he begins to have uh, a new life, another life, and then he has an encounter. There's a narrative along with our uh, lesson today. It says that it was a day like any other, or so it seemed. Moses was grazing his sheep on the backside of the desert. He knew this rugged terrain like the back of his hand, it was the same routine. His career was re- relegated to monotonous sheep keeping. He did not expect anything to change anytime soon, if ever. Like it or not, he had developed an expertise in leave- leading animals around this arid landscape. Just like his ancestors back in Canaan, he earned his livelihood as a shepherd. Well, then Moses thought back about Egypt. During his childhood, he was uh, providentially rescued from becoming just another statistic in a program of mass infanticide. 
Then, in a striking paradox, he was raised in the very palace of the king who had ordered the death of all the Hebrew male babies. He learned Egyptian culture, language, was schooled by the finest teachers, and then he gained respect among the nobility. Uh, his mistake had been to take matters into his own hand. When he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, he lost his temper, he murdered the guard, and then hid the body. Soon he was on Pharaoh's most wanted list. Uh, posters of his mugshot were plastered across Egypt, and he fled the country as a fugitive. Thankfully, he was accepted into the family of the Midianite priest Jethro. He married one of his daughters, and the rest, as they say, was history. He had switched careers midstream from prince to herder, and he had been chasing these foul-smelling animals around for the last 40 years. Then it happened. Modus, uh, Modus, Moses noticed an odd bush. Uh, I will hear about that later. Uh, for some strange reason, it was burning, but it was not being consumed. When he approached to check it out, he heard a voice calling out to him, telling him to remove his shoes, for the very ground upon which he stood was holy ground. Just as shocking, the voice informed Moses that he was being sent back to Pharaoh to lead the Israelites out of captivity. Certainly this God must have a name, he thought. So Moses inquired, When I come unto the children of Israel, and they shall say uh, to me, What is his name? What shall I say unto them? The voice responded resoundingly, I am that I am. You read about this in Exodus chapter 3 if you want to look these scriptures up. The voice then added, Thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel, I am hath sent me unto you. Some 1,400 years later, Moses' descendants would hear the very same voice again. And that's where our scripture focus comes in from John 8 and 58. Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. It is very important for us to know today who Jesus is. Uh, I know that my pastor many times would, would preach and teach on this subject, and uh, he, he would reference a conversation that he had with actually a relative of his wife's who lived in Florida, and they would talk about this subject, and the guy would finally he just summed up one of their, I guess, debates or conversations about it. And he said, well, you know, it really doesn't do us any good to major in minors. In other words, he was saying that's really not a subject that we need to focus on or worry about, but it is. Because, again, I ask us how can we really worship him or know who he is or what he's done if we don't understand who he is. We've got to have an idea of who Jesus is. It's very important to know who you worship. Jesus spoke to a woman that he was, uh, had a conversation at the well, and he, and he said, uh, you don't know who you worship, but we do. We know who we worship for salvation is of the Jews in other words, they knew that their salvation, not just in day-to-day -day living, but for the rest of their life, was tied to the God that they worshipped. Their God was a Savior. Now, in John chapter 8, there's an intense exchange with the Pharisees, and Jesus hasn't identified himself as the great I Am. We just read the Scripture. The whole debate started when Jesus uh, claimed 
was talking about his origins, where he came from, prompting the Pharisees to question who had truly sent him and where was he going. And this dialogue strongly echoed elements from Moses' conversation with God on Sinai. Just as Moses inquired about God's identity, the, the Pharisees began to ask Jesus. And in John 8, 25, they wanted to know, uh, who are you? Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. But when you back up one scripture in, in verse 24, notice what Jesus says here, and he's very specific. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. Now, uh, not just believe in me that I'm here. Well, they could see him. They knew he was alive. There's a lot of people today that their belief in him is, is simply that, well, I believe he existed. And there's some that believe he was a prophet. Jesus himself asked the question of his disciples, who do people say that I am? It's important that they know who I am. And they said, who do people say that I am? And, well, you're uh, a prophet. You're, you know, uh, a reincarnation of John the Baptist and, you know, different things. They, all kind of uh, ideas, Jesus, floating around out here about who you are because of all the things you're doing. And he says, well, who do you say that I am? Because you're following me. You're my disciples. I'm teaching you. Who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ the son of the living God. It's very important to know that he was more than just a man, that he was God manifest in the flesh. He was not uh, divine flesh. He was flesh and blood. But what was in him was divine. He was God almighty manifest in the flesh. And so when Jesus told them, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. In other words, you can't just think I'm some good guy, a good teacher, a good uh, prophet. You've got to know who I am. And he's tying the belief of who he is to whether you're going to die in your sins or not, or he's tying it to their salvation. He was only uh, repeating, uh, in a sense, words that he had spoken through Isaiah. In Isaiah 43 and 25, the Lord said this, I, even I, am he. In other words, he's making it specific. This is where you get it from. And Jesus was telling them, if you don't believe that I am he, in other words, I'm the only one who can save your soul, that can wash away your sins, because nothing washes away our sin but the blood of Jesus. And so the Lord, way back in Isaiah, says, I, even I, am he, that blotteth out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. The Lord is telling them back even then to his people, Israel, the ones that he would come to many uh, years later, then they would not even recognize him. He was telling them even then that it's only through me, that no matter how I show up, it's going to be me that takes away your sins. And so it is very important that we know who he is. Uh, Peter said in one place that we grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. You need to grow in knowledge of who he is. And then Jesus told the woman at the well that God is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. But how can you truly worship him 
How can you worship him in truth if you don't know the truth about him? You've got to understand, and Jesus was uh, making a point here that you have to believe that I am he or you will die in your sins. And so we want to make sure that we understand who Jesus is. The, the Pharisees, they, uh, they wanted to make sure Jesus understood in this conversation that, well, Abraham is our father. And then they even said, and our heavenly father is uh, God only. But they insinuated that he had been conceived illegitimately. That, you know, we know that you were conceived uh, in fornication and, and that uh, you're a sinner and, and we don't really know anything about you. They, they wanted to discredit him because for him to be the Christ would show their ignorance. They didn't want people to realize, hey, he's here and we missed it. He's here and we don't know it. We're not recognizing him. He, he wasn't the kingly sight that they were expecting. They, he, he didn't come back restoring everything to order like they assumed he would when he came back to see them. He was a carpenter's son. They knew his family. They knew uh, his brothers and sisters, and they knew the part of the region that he had come from, and they just can't accept what he's saying about who he is, that he is the, the king of glory, the king of kings, and the, the Lord of Lords. And so then we find that uh, Jesus is denying that any of this is true as far, because they even said he had a devil and he's denying these things. And because the Pharisees wanted to murder Jesus, they were neither true descendants of Abraham nor God. But Jesus turned it around. Then he said, but you are children of the devil. And when the Pharisees in turn accused Jesus of being demon possessed, he not only denied the charge, but made an astonishing declaration if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Now, this really winds them up because since Abraham and the prophets had passed away long ago, the Pharisees wondered how his statement could possibly be true. And they're saying, who do you make yourself out to be? What are you trying to, to say about yourself? Uh, we have the prophets we live by. We have you know Moses and the law that we live by. And now you're saying that we have to believe your words and keep your words so that we don't see death. And then in, in John 8, uh, go back, we'll go back and read this, John 8, 56 through 58. We'll read the statement here that leads us up to our scripture today. In 8 and 56, Jesus said, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, You're not 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? And then Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And they take up stones to kill him because he is uh, blaspheming in their mind the God that they serve. But Jesus is letting them know uh, who he is. Before Abraham was, I am. That's why Abraham could see me because, and see my day. He didn't say he had saw him in the flesh, that he had handled the flesh of Jesus, but he had saw uh, the day of this Savior, this King, this God. Abraham knew who God was. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. When he said, before Abraham was, I am, he was simply stating what Moses had said so many times before uh, or what he had told Moses 
You tell them that I am has sent you. And everybody there that day was just like Moses. They were standing on uh, the same ground as the Lord and had no idea who it was that was talking to them. But it was the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, and so the significance of Jesus identifying with the I am, uh, number one, it was fulfillment of prophecy because the Jews believed the Messiah was coming. They just didn't believe he was it. But now they have to uh, deal with this because here's a guy that is doing miracles. Here's a guy that's getting a great following, and here's a guy that is now saying, I am the I am. That if you don't believe in me, you'll die in your sins. The Jews know that the only one that can forgive sins is God. In one place, Jesus was uh, about to heal a man, and he just simply said, thy sins be forgiven. And they were upset with him. They said, who can forgive sins but God alone? And so the Lord said, uh, well, what's easier for me to say that sins be forgiven or be healed? And then he said, but so that you know I have power on earth to do this, to forgive sins, I said, thy sins be forgiven. He was letting them know, I'm here. And uh, I am the Lord. The Lord that you believe in, that you say you serve, it's me. But the blindness of your heart is keeping you from seeing that. But it doesn't matter whether you can see it or not, it doesn't change the truth of it. Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, and they couldn't get it. Peter addressed that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 36 and 37. He says, Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, who you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And then Israel cries out in verse 37, When they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said to Peter, uh, the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? They had no idea. Now that they have heard that Jesus is both Lord and Christ, now they, they're having problems because they know that uh, Christ is not going to be a separate person from God. God is in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. They understand we have made a big, if this is true, we have made a big mistake. What can we do? Again, in Acts chapter 3 and verse 17 and 18 Peter's preaching to them, and he said, Now, brethren, I want that through ignorance you did it, talking about the crucifixion of the Lord, as did also your rulers. And then in verse 18, But those things which God before has showed by the mouth of all his prophets that Christ should suffer, he hath so fulfilled. In other words, he, he's like, You didn't understand it. You didn't know what you were doing, but Christ has come, and now he has fulfilled these things. And so uh, for us today, as we're preaching Jesus Christ and him crucified, we also need to make sure that people understand who he is, that he is not uh, some second God and that he's not uh, just uh, God Jr. The, the, the flesh of Jesus Christ did not exist prior to that virgin birth because he was the only begotten son. And if he was begotten, that means he didn't exist prior to that. But God is eternal. And God in Christ, the eternal, dwelling in a body of flesh. So when Jesus said, if you don't believe that I'm he, you'll die in your sins, he was being serious because if you don't believe in God, you'll die in your sins. Not just the, the flesh uh, of man, he said, but who I am, God manifest in the flesh. And so we know that uh, Jesus, uh, his claim to deity was... was uh, 
unambiguous. He was none other than the same God who had spoken to Moses from the burning bush. He was the identical God who had revealed himself atop Mount Sinai as the I Am. Jesus was, in fact, asserting much more than simply claiming to be a prophet or religious teacher speaking in God's name. He was the embodiment of God himself. In Colossians 2, uh, 8 through 10, it tells us that... uh, not to let any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men and after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. If you'll just keep growing, brother. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. And so we need to understand what the Godhead is. And uh, Paul makes a statement about that in Acts chapter I know I didn't give you this. Don't even worry about pulling this up. I'm going to turn there right quick. In Acts chapter 17, Paul is preaching to the people at Mars Hill, and he comes across one of their their idols, one of their devotions. And in Acts 17 and 23, Paul said, When I passed by, I beheld your devotions, and I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, and him declare I unto you. He said, You're worshiping somebody. You don't even know who it is. He said, but I know who he is, and I'm going to declare him unto you. And then he said, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwells not in temples made with hands. And so we are the temple of the Holy Ghost, not made with hands, but God dwelleth in us. And Paul was trying to make sure they understood You can't just worship him and not know him. I have to declare him unto you. I've got to tell you who he is and and what he's done and how he gave his life and how he shed his blood. I've got to let you know that God has purchased this church with his own blood. We're not purchased with uh, any of the blood of bulls and goats and things like that, but the blood of this spotless lamb of God. And so Paul says, people can't go along ignorantly like this. There was a time that, that God allowed this, that he winked at these things. He said, but the Godhead, which Jesus is the fullness of the Godhead, dwells in him bodily, is not like silver and gold and handmade things. He said, God winked at these things at times, but now he's commanded men everywhere to repent, turn away from that kind of worship and worship the true and living God. And so Jesus Christ, in him all the fullness of the Godhead dwells. That means everything that God is was in that body of flesh. Now, uh, in 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul talked of the mystery of godliness. He said, it's a great mystery. God was manifest in the flesh. In other words, he was made known. He was declared in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up into glory. So if you go step by step with these things that identify uh, God, you have to say, when did this happen? God was manifest in the flesh. The angel said, you're going to bear a child, and his name will be Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Justified in the Spirit. When he came up out of the water after John baptized him, uh, they saw the Spirit descend upon Jesus like a dove. When was God seen of angels? Well, he's seen of angels all the time. He's in heaven. Well, but we think about when Jesus came out of his temptation in the wilderness, it said, and angels came and ministered 
unto him. And also we know that there were angels at the tomb during the resurrection. When did God preach unto the Gentiles? When he walked in a body of flesh on this earth. And so now uh, when was he believed, when was God believed on in the world? When these followers, these people threw away their nets and began to walk after him. When they stood there and watched him as he hung on that cross. When they took off preaching uh, about him after he was received up into glory. Well, God's always there, isn't he? But when was he received? When they stood out there and watched him until he disappeared out of their sight. So God was manifest in the flesh. Now, the Pharisees reacted as expected when Jesus made these statements about himself because under the law of Moses, they felt like he was a blasphemer and he needed to be stoned. One of the reasons we find for them wanting to stone him is in John 10 and 33. He had done some good works, and he said, For which one of these works are you going to stone me? And they said, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that you or thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They understood, that's what they knew he was doing. They just couldn't accept he was right. What you're doing is you're making yourself God. We just don't believe it. Let's say I'm walking on water. I'm raising the dead. I'm casting out devils. I'm giving hope to the, the hopeless. I'm healing every type of disease there is. Uh, if you knew the scripture, you'd know that Isaiah said that your God, your God Israel, will come and save you, and when he does, then shall the eyes of the blind be opened. You've heard me say this before, but do you know that out of all the miraculous things that happen in Scripture, that nobody else opens blinded eyes but Jesus? He saved that for himself because it's an identifying marker. It's, it's uh, to prove Scripture. That when your God comes, then shall the eyes of the blind be opened. Deaf ears will be unstopped. And we saw uh, the dead raised back to life in the Old Testament, things like that. We saw lepers cleansed in the Old Testament. But you never saw, he, he said, not opening any blinded eyes. Not doing that till John chapter 9. We talked about that some, uh, a few weeks ago. But So we understand that when God came to this earth, he had some things that would identify this is me and not another. People need to understand who I am. Am, But these Jews who were so uh, clinging so hard to the Torah, the implications of Jesus' claim were crystal clear. He's professing to be the God revealed in Jewish scriptures. This not only made him the I Am who liberated Israel from Egyptian bondage, but it would mean he was the very creator of the world himself. And from the beginning, the Gospel of John claims that Jesus is the creator of the world. It states it in John, the first chapter. We'll cover some of it in just a moment. Uh, the, the opening phrase of St. John 1 and 1 is in the beginning. The opening statement of Genesis 1 and 1 is in the beginning. They both have the same theme. In recounting the, the account of creation, Genesis emphasizes how God made, designated, and hallowed the created order by speaking. In uh, Genesis 1, 3, 6, 9, 11, 14, 20, 24, 26, and 29, it's recorded, God said. In Genesis 1, 5, 8, and 10, it says, God called. And then in Genesis 1, 22 and 28, it says, God blessed. He did that with his voice. 
Under the inspiration of the Spirit, John described Jesus as the Word or the Logos, identifying him as the one who planned and spoke creation into existence. This expression, the Logos, is the keynote and theme of the entire gospel. Uh, So John affirms in his gospel in John 1 and 3, all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He's talking about Jesus now. But Jesus did not exist prior to his virgin birth. The body didn't. But God is eternal. He's the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. He's always existed. And so, uh, but when John's writing this, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then he goes on to tell us that all things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. So let's see uh, again what Old Testament Scripture says about that because uh, God's not just going to do anything in one verse. He's going to have it somewhere else that we can tie it together because the Scripture is line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. We know that. So in Isaiah uh, 44 and 24, It says, Thus saith the Lord thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, and spreads abroad the earth by myself. Sounds a lot like the Jesus that John is talking about, that all things were made by him. And then in Isaiah 45 and 18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he has established it, He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. So there's no other creator. I did it all by myself. I named it. I did it. I blessed it. So when Jesus is being written about in John, the first chapter, we can go right back to this and understand that now God, that created all things, has decided, I am going to step out onto this earth but I need a body of flesh to do that because God's invisible. And if I want people to see me, I'll have to do just like I did with Moses, and I'll have to create an image that he can visualize. And he saw a bush that was burning but not consumed, and the voice spake out of the bush. And so when Jesus stepped onto this world, when he was born into this uh, earth, uh, every year they, so many people, it's funny, they say that song, Mary, Did You Know? And say, yeah, Mary knew. The angel had already told her. So, but uh, some people did know. They had enough faith that they understood uh, Simeon when he held the, the, the child. He realized that now I have seen uh, the Christ, the Savior of the world, and, and he understood that through the Holy Ghost. And so when Jesus, again, tells them that before Abraham was, I am, he's not saying that this body of flesh existed before then, but I have always existed because I and my Father are one. If you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so uh, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. That's Scripture. That's not me making that up. That's in the Scripture. And so when for Israel to hear this and hear these things, number one, John writes that all things were made by him and nothing that was made was made without him. He made it all. For Isaiah to publish it, Uh, that the Lord, I need to make sure that people understand that there is no other creator besides me. I am the Lord. I am God. Now, Israel understands, well, if that's true, because 
Deuteronomy 6 and 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. There's never going to be another God. There's never going to be another Lord. He's one. There's not going to be anyone after him. It will always be him. So the Lord is the creator. He's the only Lord. He's the only God. And now they're saying that Jesus is the creator of all things. That must mean he's the only Lord and he's the only God. Because Paul said in Philippians 4, uh, or Philippians 2, 9 through 11, God has also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God's getting the glory for this, uh, all these works because we beheld him and we beheld the Lord's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And so uh, if every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, then he has to be that I am. Because in the Old Testament, it's over and over and over again, there is no other God beside me. This I am that spoke to Moses makes it clear there will never be a God formed after me. So for somebody to say that Jesus is the second God or the second person in the Godhead, he's, he's saying he's another deity. He's not another deity. He's not God, Jr. God was manifest in the flesh. And John saw a, a throne in heaven and one sat on the throne. Just one. And so if Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, where do you think he's sitting on a, on a stool? On the floor? Come on, somebody. The king sits on the throne. And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He's the Lord of hosts. He's the Lord of glory. He is the I am. And that's why he could make the statement before Abraham was, I am. And we have got to understand that. It's very important. People say, that don't really matter. Yeah, it matters. Because how can you worship him in spirit and in truth if you don't know who he is? We've got to understand that he, he is not uh, some other being. He was God manifest in the flesh. Praise God. And now, to go along with what we just read in Philippians, let's look at what God said about himself in Isaiah 45 and 23. Well, let's, I'm going to back up actually and go to verse 21. You probably don't have that, brother. I'm going to read this because we know that Jesus is making the statement that I, if you don't believe I'm he, you'll die in your sins. In other words, you have to be saved by me. Look what the Lord said in Isaiah 45 and 21. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who has declared this from ancient time? Who has told it from that time? Have not I the Lord? There is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me and be ye saved, all ends of the earth, for I am God and there is none else. You can't look nowhere else but to God to be saved. I'm glad that I know his name is Jesus. I'm glad that I know this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm glad I know this God of the Old Testament that manifests himself in the flesh and walked this earth and then suffered and died for my sins. And then in verse 23, after, hey, so you know I'm the Savior, I have sworn by myself the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that unto me, Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall swear. So if every knee, who are we bowing to? 
There is one God and Father, the Scripture says, who is above all, through all, and in you all. He's above all. Now, if he's above all, that means his name's above all. There is one God and Father who is above all. That means his name would be above all. And he has given him a name which is above every name. At the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Get with me now. And at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow and tongue confess. So, so without revealing his name yet, he's st- still telling them, you won't bow to anybody else but me because I'm the Savior of the whole world. Before Abraham was, I am. That's what Jesus was trying to let them know. Before Abraham uh, took his journey, I was already ready creating things uh, because I am God manifest in the flesh. Aren't you thankful today that you can know who he is? Praise God. God, give the Lord a hand for his word. The first part of this lesson is taking up a lot more than, than I realized it would take, but when I get on this subject, I, I have a, a good time with it, and I like to stay with it for a little while. But understanding that is so important because I, I want to know who I worship. And, and so that's why all power, when Jesus made the statement, all power in heaven and earth is given to me. Now, if, you know, just to me, common sense saying that, you know, if I believe that he was the son and he was a second person, why would all the power go to him? Because the Bible says that I receive power after the Holy Ghost comes on me. Well, if Jesus has all that power, him and the Holy Ghost must be the same. All the fullness, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost which is the Godhead dwelleth in him bodily. That's why uh, when we talk about, when Paul writes about it, he says, if a man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Because the spirit of Christ, the Holy Ghost, that's the same. And that's where our power comes from. And so I'm thankful today for the knowledge of the truth. And I'm thankful that uh, the scripture is not hard to understand, but you have to read it and take it for what it says and, and, and not say, well, that's not what uh, men say. But didn't Paul just say, don't be spoiled after the philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men. They can write all the books and papers they want to write. They can set up their internet pages, whatever they want to do. But you can't change the word of God and you can't change who God is, and you can't change that he's only one, and you can't change that he manifests himself in the flesh and walked this earth. You can't change what Jesus said. I and my Father are one, not like one, are one. Praise God. And so I'm thankful today to know that if, I've seen, if I had been there, like he told them that day, I think uh, I'm going to have to, I know i got to, Hurry up, we're, we're running out of time. And so go to John 14, verses 7 through 10, bro. When he was talking to his disciples, he said, If you had known me, it's important, you should have known my Father also. In other words, it, it's indistinguishable. If you had known me, you should have known my Father also. And from henceforth, you know him and have seen him. Now, they knew Jesus and had seen Jesus, but he's saying, and from this point on, you know him and you've seen him. Seen who? My father. Philip says, Lord, show us the father. And it suffices us. I just told you, you can see him. 
So Jesus says, have I been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? Why would he say that? What, what have you done that I should know you, Lord? Well, I opened blinded eyes. And Isaiah said that would be uh, an eye-opener for you <laughs> uh, so that you would understand who I am. I've opened deaf ears. I've forgiven sins. I've walked on water. I've calmed the wind and the sea. I've fed multitudes. I've cast out devils. I mean, I've resurrect, I'm going to resurrect from the dead. What else do you want, Philip? Uh, he says, he that hath seen me hath seen the Father. And how can you say then, you know, how can you even say, show us the Father? Jesus is so just like, whew. I love seeing him get like that. But, you know, because it's, it's nice to know that he thought, man, what else have I got to do? Uh, how says, show us the Father, and then go on to the next verse. Believe not, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. Give me something else. Go to verse 11. If you got it, I may not even give it to you. Well, there we go. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very works' sake. So if you're not going to take me at my word, he said, then you can believe that I am who I say I am by what I have done. Because no other man, there's no man, no prophet, no magician, no sorcerer, nothing could do what I have done. These signs were to declare me that I am here. Your God has come to save you, believe me for the work's sake. So if you've seen me, Philip, you have seen the Father. How can you even say, show me the Father? Here I am. You've been with me all this time. So we do need to understand because understanding that uh, the I am lives in me, I have everything I need to do the works that God has called me to do. The reason that Christ could do all the things he did was because God was in Christ. If he had been just a man, he can't do nothing. The blind man in John 9 says, if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. You know, he said, they knew. This was such a miracle that he said, has it ever been told that blinded eyes have been opened? Now, we've heard about the lame walking, We've heard about the resurrection of the dead, but not you, not all you rabbis and teachers, none of y'all. I've sat in the synagogue. I've listened. My parents have told me about it. He hadn't been in the synagogue. They didn't. He was blind, but he had heard about, you know, nobody has ever, I've never heard a story all the years of my life that blinded eyes have been opened by anybody. Guess why? Because that miracle was reserved for God when he manifested himself in the flesh and walked on this earth, he said, so if this man were not of God, he could do nothing. And then it's very important that they were so infuriated by this man that they cast him out of the synagogue. They just cast him out. And it said that when Jesus heard they had put him out, he went and found him. He said, do you believe in the Son of God? Do you believe in him? He said, well, if I knew who he was, I would. He said, well, you're talking to him. He said, it's very important that you know who you believe in. And so he revealed himself to him right there. And so it's important for us today, too, to, to just not say, oh, well, I believe in a Jesus. You need to believe in Jesus, the Christ, 
God manifest in the flesh. It's great to know who he is. Now, you, surely everybody doesn't have that revelation right off the bat, but you need to know it as you grow in knowledge of him. You need so that you can worship him in spirit and in truth. I'm glad for it. Let's stand together, honey. You can come on to the music. I know if you're following in your book, we didn't get about one page into that lesson, but I, I added a lot of scripture um, because I felt like that first part was vital and very important. So I want to know more about him. The old song said, more of Jesus I would know. I want to know more about him. And I want to grow in grace and knowledge of my Savior. I don't want to just uh, have a little, like I high-fived him at the altar one day and now I'm good for eternity. I want to know the Lord. I want to know about my Savior. And I want to know uh, so I can know what I need to do. How can you be, if I'm going to be like Jesus, well, how can you be like him if you don't know nothing about him? <laughs> you got to know about him. And if you start studying him and studying about him and you you read more than just the Gospels and you'll get into that Old Testament and begin to read, you'll see where he was all the way through the book, all the way through the book. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the revelation of your word. Lord, I know it's a great mystery, but God, I'm thankful today that you have revealed these things, Lord, to those who would seek your face. Lord, help us to have a greater understanding of you. We don't want to be lost, Lord. We don't want to die in our sins. We want to understand who you are today. So God, help us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of you. Let our hearts be ready to meet you when you come. We ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Thank you for being in our discipleship class this morning. We appreciate you being here. Let's find a place to pray before the next service. God bless you.